Amen. Music was a blessing. There are two types of people in the world, those who need God and know it, and those who need God and don't know it. And we want to pray for those who do not know the love and the truth of Jesus to know it. Amen. We're going to be in the book of Philippians. If you would turn with me in your Bibles, we're going to be in chapter 2. For those of you who are just joining us in the series, we've been talking about Philippians, how it's one of the most joyful books in the Bible. And it's hard to imagine how someone could write from a prison about how life is okay if you got Jesus. And even though it's stressful right now, even though it's challenging, as long as you got Jesus with you, you can be joyful. Amen? We talked about the difference between joy and happiness. Happiness is based upon happenings. And as long as good things are happening, you're happy. But when bad things are happening, it's hard to be happy. But joy, on the other hand, is not based upon circumstances. Joy is a byproduct of your relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And as long as you keep your focus on Jesus, no matter what the circumstances are, you can find yourself joyful. So today we're going to pick up in a passage in Philippians 2, starting in verse 12. And we're going to talk about how to shine like a star in the universe. And some of you walked by, you wondered why all these stars are on the altar, you'll find out the end. But these are all glow-in-the-dark stars. How many of you had these as a kid or had them for your kids? All right. Confession, I had these even as a high school student in my room because I thought they were cool. But we're going to talk about the darker the night, the brighter the light. And many of us come to church a little discouraged this morning. Because the world around us, if you watch CNN or Fox or whatever news channel you watch, it's tragedy after tragedy. It's bad news after bad news. So in the midst of the bad news, how many of you could use a little good news? Amen. So I was reading a story about at the end of World War II, much of Europe was struggling, especially the old country. And one of the most depressing sights after the war was orphan children in the streets of Europe. And especially in London, there were a lot of orphan children that just seemed like they didn't have nowhere to go, no one to look after them. They were all alone. So an American soldier was driving his Jeep one morning around a corner. And as he passed the curb, he noticed this little orphan by himself, a little boy. And he had his face pressed against the glass window. And the soldier stopped just for a moment to see what was going on. And it was a pastry shop. The little boy is watching the uh, pastry chef make warm, delicious donuts. It's before the hot and now sign came out at Krispy Kreme. But he, he was looking in the window and just starving. And the soldier got out of his Jeep. He was on his way to the barracks and he took a quick stop. And his heart just went out to the little boy. And as he saw the little boy face pressed against the glass, his heart went out to this little orphan child. And he went up to the little boy and said, son, what, what do you want? And he said, I would love to have just one of those mouth-watering donuts. Oh, how many of you are getting hungry right now as I explain it? So he was watching him, the baker, bring it out of the oven, put it in the glass shelf. And the smoke, the steam was coming up and fogging up the window. It was so delicious. Hot and ready donuts. So the soldier went in and said, wait right here, son. He went in. And he bought him a dozen of the freshly baked, mouth-watering donuts, put them in a bag, and he gave them to the little boy and said, these are for you. And the little boy's mouth just dropped. He couldn't believe it. He had nothing. 
And the soldier went away to go back to his barracks in London. And as he was getting ready to pull in his Jeep, he felt a little tug on his coattail. And the little boy said, Mr., are you God? You know, it's just like that. Whenever we give and we love, people think, what's different about you? And today we're going to talk about how to be a bright, shining star in the midst of a dark world. How to show the light and the love of Christ to a world that so desperately needs it. And the thing about these glow-in-the-dark stars, if you remember when you were a kid, the darker the room is, the brighter the light glows. And the same is true with us as Christians. The darker the world around us, the brighter our light is, the light of Christ shining through us. So we're going to be in Philippians 2 and reading verses 12 through 18. If you have your Bibles, you can read along. If you don't, we'll have it on the screen. It says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Now, verse 14 is really hard. It's one of those verses sometimes you wish were not in the Bible, but it is. It says, do all things without complaining and disputing. Confessional, how many of us have a problem with that? All things without complaining. Ouch. See, the thing about complaining is whenever you complain, it, it, it makes the star not glow as bright. It says that you may become harmless, blameless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Verse 16, holding fast the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Yes, and if I'm being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all for the same reason you also be glad and rejoice with me. Let's bless God's word. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask and pray as we try to understand your word, God, as we meditate on your word, as we speak your word. I pray that there would be some illumination going on, that everyone in this audience would realize that if they are a Christian, that they are a star shining brightly in a dark universe. So, Father, as we take a look into your word, we pray you'd speak to us. Holy Spirit, we pray that the word would be receptive in our hearts, that we wouldn't just be hearers of the word, that we would be doers of the word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So today we're going to talk about how to shine brightly in a dark world. And I want to give you just three little highlights. The first one is this, unwrap your spiritual potential. You may not realize it, but every one of you who claims Christ You have hidden treasure inside of you. And we're going to break down these verses in just a minute. I was reminded of a story I read recently about this little girl in a shop. And uh, some of you have kids and grandchildren. She was four, the age of my daughter, Kira, getting ready to turn five. And uh, so this story kind of resonated with me. But she was in the checkout line. And you know how they have those eye-catching things, that more compulsive gifts that people like to buy, like candy in this case, the store had a box of pearl necklace, and it was in this nice foil little box, and the little girl saw the string of pearl necklace, and she's like, oh, I, I would love to have that pearl necklace, Mommy. Please, Mommy. 
And I can just imagine my daughter, Kira, please, Daddy, Mommy, give me the necklace. So as most moms do, she looked at the price tag. It was $1.94 for this strand of plastic pearls. And the mommy looked at her little girl and said, Honey, it's your birthday coming up in a week. And I'm sure if you save up your money and do some chores, perhaps you'll be able to get it. And also your grandmother, she usually gives you a brand new crisp $1 bill. So let's see. We'll see if we can get it. So as the little girl got home, she did some chores. She asked the neighbor, uh, Mrs. Jennings, she said, can I uh, pick your dandelions for 10 cents? And how are you going to say no to this precious four-year-old? So she said, sure. She's done all these chores. Her birthday came, and finally she got the $1 crisp bill from her grandmother. And she had saved up enough to buy this strand of plastic pearls. So she went to the store and bought them. And she wore this set of pearl necklace everywhere she went, to Sunday school, to school, um, everywhere she went, she said, look at my pearl necklace. The little girl had a loving father. And every night he would drop what he was doing and he would walk up the stairs to her bedroom and read her a bedtime story and kiss her goodnight. And on one of those nights, he went up to her room and said, honey, do you love your daddy? And his daughter said, of course I love you. And he said, give me the pearls. And she said, Daddy, I can't give you these pearls. These are my favorite things in the world. I do have this little pink pony, though. You remember the one I got recently for a present? I'll give you Princess Pony. You can have him. And um, the dad's like, that's okay, honey. I love you. He kissed her goodnight, went downstairs. A week later, he came back up and said, honey, do you love me? She said, Daddy, of course I love you. He said, well, give me the pearls, honey. And she said, Daddy. I, I can't give you my pearls, but I have a baby doll, you know, the one I got for my birthday. And she even has a matching outfit, beautiful yellow, and uh, you can have all the outfits to go with her, but not my pearls. And the daddy said, that's okay, honey. He kissed her, walked down the stairs, and told her good night. God bless you. A few days later, he went up to her room, and she was sitting on her bed, Indian style, and he noticed that her chin was quivering. And he said, honey... What's wrong? And he noticed a tear come down her face. And she said, Daddy, here you go. And she opened up her hands and there were the pearls. And the dad was so touched and moved, just like any of us would be. And he reached into his pocket after he took the plastic pearls. And out came this blue velvet case with a strand of real pearls that he had got for her birthday. And he was waiting the whole time to give her these pearls, but he wanted to see if she was willing to give up her cheap plastic pearls. So much like her Heavenly Father, right? We, we cling on to so much, and he's like, if you'll just give me this, if you'll give me your life, I'm going to give you something far in exchange, something so much more beautiful. Are you willing to exchange your plastic pearls for the pearl of great price? In Philippians verses 2, verses 12 and 13, Paul's saying, listen, God has saved you. He's talking to believers here. In verse 13, he says, verse 12 and 13, he says, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. You know, this verse has often been misunderstood. Some people have said, well, does that mean you work for your salvation? And I want you to notice this verse doesn't say work for your salvation. It says work out your salvation. I'm going to give you a few things of what it doesn't mean. The first one is it doesn't mean that you can earn your salvation. 
The Bible is clear on that. None of us are saved through own efforts or good works. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says that it's by grace you're saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's the what? The gift of God, not of works, so that no one can boast. So it doesn't mean you work for your salvation. A second thing it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that there are different ways to find salvation. You have to find the one that works for you. And that's really popular in Asheville. You know, as long as you're sincere, as long as you believe in something. But have you ever thought about the possibility someone could be sincerely wrong? Imagine if you have a terminal disease and they say, well, you need to go through this prescription. You need to go through this treatment. And you're like, well, I'll stick to aspirin. And aspirin will not cure it. In the same way, Jesus revealed himself as the only way to God. In John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So this verse does not mean that you can just believe whatever and you can be saved. But what this verse does mean, uh, when it says work out your own salvation, in the original Greek language, this work, this word work out, was used of digging silver out of silver mines. It was to have a field and to yield the full produce of the crops at harvest time. In today's terminology, it would say complete the math problem, finish the equation. So what this verse says is God has already worked it in you, but you have to work it out of you. In other words, in every Christian is buried treasure spiritually. And some of you, you've got treasure right inside of you when you became a Christian, but you're only starting to work it out. Have you ever met some Christians that had so much potential and you're like, if he or she would just grasp what God could do through their lives, they could change the world. Have you ever thought that about someone? When God looks at each of you who claim the name of Christ, there's buried treasure inside of you. And he's saying, I've I've worked it in you. You've just got to work it out. So in other words, you're not saved by anything you do. But what it does mean is God, when he saves you, he puts spiritual treasure inside of you. And he wants you to mature and complete the process. So something that's really beautiful here, if you notice, it says it's God who works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So here's some gold nuggets about your salvation. And if you're taking notes, these would be helpful to write down. The first one is this. When God wants you to do something, he gives you both the desire and the ability to carry it out. He gives you the desire and the ability to carry out. How many of you have ever met someone that said, well, I would become a Christian, but if I became a Christian, you fill in the blank. For many of you, it's like I would have to go to Africa, be a missionary, eat bugs, eat strange things. Well, let me tell you something. Based upon this verse, if God calls you to do something, he also gives you the desire. So he, you would be chomping at the bit to do that. And most of us are not being called to Africa. So you're like, so most of us are being called in the marketplace where we work where we live, where we play, our friends, because the whole world is all around us. And God wants us to realize, I've worked it in you. Are you willing to work it out? I've given you treasure inside. Are you willing to bring it out? The second truth, the gold nugget under this, this point here, is the desire starts within, that's inside of your heart, and then it works its way out. So in other words, God changes your heart's desire, and then all of a sudden you find yourself doing what, what the heart has changed. And I think that's so true as, as a Christian. As, as, a, as a young person, before I fully surrendered my life to Christ, as, as some teenagers think, I think, you know, I would give my life to Christ, but then I would be boring. How many of you have ever thought Christians were boring? Even some of you think they are now, right? Uh, 
But I would think, you know, Christians are strange or boring, and I want to surrender, but not all of me, because crazy things would happen. And that was the devil trying to hold me back from what God wanted. And once I realized that the best life is in Christ, it's not in the world, then I, I was willing to surrender my all. And once I did that, I began to unravel treasure inside of me. And the same is true of you. So I'm wondering, as I'm looking at the faces this morning, I wonder how much buried treasure, spiritual treasure, holy treasure is in every believer that just hasn't been worked out. Some of you in Christ have only reached 10% of your potential in Christ. And Paul is saying, God has worked it in you, so you have to work it out. Amen? So the second point under this, the second highlight, is be known for what you're for instead of what you're against. A lot of times as Christians, we get the bad rap that, We're against this, against that. And it's good to have convictions. It's good to be against things. But are we known for what we're for or what we're against? And I, as I read these verses here, I was convicted. It says, do all things without complaining and arguing. The thing about the star is in Christ, we have no inherent light. It comes from being in Christ. So in Matthew 5, Verse 14, he says, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. The only reason why he can say that is if he's living inside of us. And we are kind of like moons. We simply reflect the sun's light. Have you ever thought about a moon? The moon doesn't shine. It's just like this big ball of dirt in the sky that so happens to line itself up with the sun. And once it lines itself up properly, it reflects the sun's light. And that's how we are. We're like the moon. Whenever we align ourselves up with Jesus, all of a sudden his light begins to shine through us. So we've got we to gotta be known not just what we're against, but what we're for. Imagine if you could spend a whole day without complaining. What would that look like? What would your spouse say about you if you spent a whole day without complaining? I mean, think about that. What would your friends think about you? So here's the challenge. On Monday, it's just a 24-hour challenge. Spend the next day, and my wife's going to hold me accountable to this, the whole day you can't complain about anything. Just see what happens. You can't complain if you're sick, your health. Uh, just spend a whole day without complaining about anything. And you're like, well, how is that possible? You have to figure it out. The only advice I can give you is pray through it. So if something's not going well, instead of complaining, tell God about it, right? Because he already knows about it. So that's your Monday challenge. Spend 24 hours with, without complaining. I was reading a story about this lady named Laurel, and it was really a sad situation. Her friend was dying, and she was really heartbroken that her friend was dying. And, you know, what do you say when you're you're at the deathbed of one of your friends? And um, they were holding each other, crying and just processing, this lady is getting ready to go to heaven, but how, how do we, how do I explain it to her? So uh, she had this story that came to her mind. She said, I once heard a story about this 12-year-old girl. And this 12-year-old girl had been born blind all of her life. She couldn't see. Could you imagine living the first 12 years of your life, seeing nothing, seeing darkness? And all of a sudden, there became this new medical procedure where it's experimental. But if it worked, perhaps it could give her sight. So she went through the whole procedure. And the little 12-year-old and her mom were talking about if this procedure works, imagine what it could be. So she went through the procedure, and since she had never been exposed to light from the surgery, 
She had to sit in a dark room for hours until her eyes could slowly get adjusted. And as they were sitting there, they were talking about what do colors look like? How do you explain what a blue looks like or a purple or a red? What do shapes? How could you explain to a person that doesn't see what a shape is like? So they spent hours explaining, if this works, here's what you could see. And all of a sudden, the time became when her eyes were ready to see light. And they, they brought her outside in her, in her house, and she was looking out the window. And as she looked out the window, she sat there in silence. All of a sudden, she could see beautiful flowers, purples, yellows. All of a sudden, she could see birds flying. She could see the grass blowing in the wind, the green blades of grass. All of a sudden, she could see the brick wall near her house. She could see the street. But the mother didn't know what she was seeing. She was in silence. And she looked at her mom and said, Mom, why didn't you tell me it would be this good? Why didn't you explain how great it would be? And Laurel was able to tell her friend, that's how it's going to be like when you get to heaven. You can't really explain how great it is. It's like a blind person seeing for the first time. When you get to the other side, we're going to be asking God, why didn't you tell me it was this good? You gave me hints, but this is amazing. And I think that's what we're all waiting for. And I think as you realize, whenever we, we choose not to be negative, complaining and disputing, and we begin to be positive and shine light, people begin to get a picture of what life could be if they are in Christ. Notice it says that you may become harmless, blameless, without fault. And that word without fault is a sacrificial term. And it means basically that you're fit to be offered as a sacrifice. And I thought that was beautiful because later on in Paul's writings, he said as believers, we're like a living sacrifice. Live your life as a living sacrifice, holy, pleasing to God. And notice it says in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. The thing about it is, is you notice it says among whom you shine. It doesn't say apart from. The Bible doesn't tell us to isolate ourselves from the world to where we have no contact. Rather, the Bible tells us in the midst of the world, you're going to shine brightly. The darker the night, the brighter the light. The darker the work situation, the brighter the light. The darker the family situation, the brighter the light. The darker the night, the brighter the light. I want you guys to get that. And he said the comparison is when the world is so dark and you're living for Christ, all of a sudden your light is like radiant stars in the dark night sky. You shine like stars in the universe. I was reading about a a gentleman that worked for the Navigators. His name was Jim Peterson. And uh, he was a speaker for the Navigators. Some of you are familiar with the Navigators. It's a discipleship um, company that helps people memorize scripture and grow in their walk. So Jim was a um, a speaker, and he would travel a lot. And on one of his trips, he found himself sitting in an empty seat beside him. And next to him sat down this gorgeous young lady. I mean, she was just... Breathtaking, gorgeous. And he was just, okay, minding my own business. You know, I'm, I'm here. And she started talking to him. And he, he was just like, well, maybe I can share Christ with her. So he was, you know, friendly but guarded. And the next thing he knew, this beautiful young lady was propositioning to him 
that she wanted to have a fling with him outside of as soon as they land. And he was just like, Jim, this, this pastor was just shocked. He's like, I've never been really been hit on that much before. And this beautiful young lady, and he just was kind of stunned. He didn't know what to do. And all of a sudden, the next thing he knew, he reached in his wallet and he took out a picture of his wife and kids. And he told the beautiful young lady, he said, listen, I can't be unfaithful to them. I can't do it. And he began to tell about his convictions and why he did that. And the lady was shocked. She said, all of my girlfriends, all of their husbands have made moves on me. And I just thought people, that's, that's how it was in the world. And she said, I didn't know there were guys like you who even existed. Like she had never been turned down before. And whenever they got off the plane and landed, some of her girlfriends were waited for. I guess they were going to do a ladies' night out or whatever. And she looked at Jim and said, can you tell them the stuff that you told me? You know, whenever you choose to do the right thing for God, all of a sudden, the darker the night, the brighter the light, you begin to shine for Christ. And I love how he says, holding out the word of life. And the picture is, perseverance where like you're holding to it but also it has imagery of holding it out so whenever you're in the christian life it's like you're in a race and you have to persevere you have to keep going but also there's this light and that as you hold out the light of god's word it says the word of life it gives you more light to walk in his light amen and finally live your life as living sacrifice to god for the sake of others I want you to notice verses 17 and 18. Paul gets really personal here. He says, yes, and if I'm being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I rejoice. And I'm I'm glad with you all. So the idea in this culture, uh, whenever you're going to sacrifice something, in the Old Testament there were drink offerings, and even in pagan religions there was an idea that you would pour a drink offering on the altering. On, on the altar. So the imagery was there in the, in the Christian faith as well in the non-Christian faith. And Paul was saying, I'm getting ready to pour my life out. I don't know what it will mean. He hoped to be released from prison, but if he was going to be executed, he was willing to pour his life out. And for us reading that, we're like, I don't know if I'm there yet. And God understands where you're at, but he wants you to get in the place where you're willing to live your life in such a way that it's a living sacrifice. God probably won't ask most of us to lay down our lives for him physically. But he's asking all of us, are you willing to shine for me in a dark world? Are you willing to have convictions? So many times in our world, we find ourselves, we're the quiet, timid ones. And the whole world is loud and brash. And they say that what they want. And we're like, I don't want any conflicts. I'm just stepping back. I wonder what it would be like in the, in, in, if Paul could talk to us today what he would say about living in Asheville in 2016. You think maybe he would say something like, the darker the night, the brighter the light, shine like stars in the universe. In the next last verse, verse 18, it says, for the same reason, you also be glad and rejoice with me. Many of you have heard of George Whitfield. I talk, to, talk about him often in, in here because he has so many great stories. Um, George Whitfield was one of the, the greatest evangelists of the 1700s. And um, he just would speak to huge crowds. In fact, uh, Ben Franklin estimated that as many as 20,000 people came to hear him preach in a field. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine trying to project your voice where 20,000 people would hear you? 
And um, but George Whitfield, he he preached and preached, and he I think he made like seven trips from England to America, some, something in that ballpark. And all of a sudden, um, one day he was getting really sickly, and his pastor friend was really worried about him. This was in his last trip to America. And he was in Massachusetts, in Newberry, in a place called Newberry. And he was staying at a pastor's house. And the pastor said, I'm really worried about you, George. You seem really out of it. And he was concerned. And so he had him say the, the prayer over the dinner that night. And he, he prayed something like this. Oh, God, I'm weary. Let me read the prayer for you. He said, Lord, I'm weary in thy work, but I'm not weary of thy work. I thought that was really good. I'm weary in thy work, but not of thy work. In other words... I feel like I'm being poured out as a sacrifice. I'm giving it all and I'm really tired, but I'm not tired of your work. I'm weary in thy work, but I'm not weary of thy work. And uh, so he, he ate the dinner and uh, according to the eyewitnesses around him, they said he could barely eat. He was just <gasps> trying to get grab his breath. And as, as circumstances would have it, divine providence, um, they looked outside and there began to be a crowd of people gathering in the yard. And the people realized that George Whitfield was in town. And they're like, we want him to preach. And like George Whitfield is like, I mean, he's about to die at this point. He can barely breathe. And, and like, they're like, George, you can't do that. I mean, you're, you're, you're barely able to breathe. And he's like, I'm going to pray for strength. So they, they took him outside. And according to the story, he was holding on to like the railing. You can imagine like a back porch. And as he was gripping on, he asked God for strength. And he preached for 45 minutes. To the people that needed to hear the good news. And then he laid down went to sleep and he died that night. Now I was telling my wife this story and I'm like I don't know about you. But I'd be like come back tomorrow after I've slept. Maybe I'll have a little bit. But even till his last breath he was like I want to lay it all out. So I'm wondering if we come to the end of our life. If God will look at us and he'll see all this treasure that was buried. All this spiritual treasure. And I'm wondering if some of us would say, God, if you look in my treasure chest spiritually, I poured it all out. There's nothing remaining. And then he says, well done, good and faithful servant. I don't know about you guys, but I want to go to the end of my life when I have my last breath saying, God, I've given it everything that you've asked me to give. There's no buried treasure. The talents that you've given me, whatever they are, I've given it all. Because when we only have one life to live, and what we do in this life will life last for a lifetime in eternity. So, take home truth. Let's see if you guys know it. The darker the night, the brighter the light. You guys are shining stars in the universe. So if you work in a dark place where your boss gets on your nerves, you're in good company. The darker the night, the brighter the light. If you're a student and school and college and everyone around you is anti-God, anti-Christ, you're in good company because God has placed you as a star to shine brightly for the King of Kings. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, I pray over each person here. I pray that we would unwrap our spiritual potential. We don't work for salvation, but we realize that you have given us treasure within us. And God, I pray that what you have worked in, we'd be able to work out. So no matter what age we are, for 15, 50, 
80, 90, whatever age we're at, we want to say, as I come to the, to my life, whatever days I have allotted, I want to give it all I've got as a spiritual sacrifice. Father, I pray that we'd be known for what we're for, not just what we're against. That we'd be positive people, try to live life without complaining, without disputing, without being negative or critical. And God, I'm the first to confess, I fall short of that. Pray for your forgiveness in that. God, I don't want to dull the shine. I don't want to darken the shine by negativity. And Father, help us live our lives as living sacrifice to you for the sake of others. Father, I love you and I thank you for all that you're doing. Father, if there be one here that hasn't received Christ today, I pray that right where they're sitting, they would realize the good news that Jesus Christ died for their sins in their place. And if they're willing to live for him, they can just simply ask him to come into their lives and forgive them and have a new start. If you need to receive Christ right where you're at, just say, Jesus, I need you in my life. I'm sorry for living my life apart from you. Jesus, I believe that you're God, that you're good, and that you have an amazing plan for my life. Please forgive me of my sins. Please give me a new start. I make you my Lord and Savior. Father, thank you that even though we're in a dark world, her light shines brightly when we allow you to shine through us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This time, if you'd stand during the closing hymn of invitation, we're going to do things a little differently. On the altar here, I have stars of all sizes and shapes. And there's about a hundred here, so until we run out, if you want to make the commitment as we launch fall, many of you are back in the rhythm of life, back in the work schedule, school schedule, and you want to say something like, God, I'm not perfect, but you are. And I'm just like this moon... I just want to get myself in alignment with you so that you would shine through me. And in your marketplace, in your retirement life, wherever you're at, the darker the night, the brighter the light. So what I'm going to do is as we sing, it's just as you feel led, feel free to come down and pick up a star. And I want you to take this and put it wherever it will remind you, preferably in a dark place like in your room. But whenever it's dark, these stars will glow. And it will remind you, the darker the night, the brighter the light.